Hey guys, welcome to the Bill Bardenwell Show. I am Bill Bardenwell. Today, Mina Kimes returns to the show to break down her and my favorite free agent signings of the first week of free agency. But first, in case you're interested in the NCAA tournament, it seems like a pretty big thing happening right now. You may want to check out the SV pod with my friend Scott Van Pelt and Stanford Steve because it's all in for college basketball. You're going to get their insights into March Badness, along with their usual dad stories and things they hate. It's like hang- I've hung out with SVP in real life. It's basically the same thing, but on podcast form and very funny. So make sure you listen to SV Pod wherever you get your podcasts. And now, myself and Mina Kimes breaking down the best signings of the first few days of free agency. All right, joining me now here on the Bill Barnwell Show. Had to bring her back on. It's been a minute. She's a busy lady. But someone who, of course, I trust implicitly when it comes to breaking down free agency. It's Mina Kimes herself. Mina, what's up? Not much. I'm no longer terrified that a million signings are going to break while we're doing this. I think we've, I mean, there's still a bunch of just some pretty big names out there moves left to be made, but we've definitely gotten past the bulk of free agency. Can I tell the story about last week? What happened? When I, when we were talking on the phone, like we had like just gotten on the oh, phone. Oh yes. Yes. And like, like two minutes in, you're like, I'm not going to say what you said. It involved an excellent. If you're like, Oh, blank. And I'm like, oh no, what happened? Like, is Mina's house on fire? Like, you know, like what? And you're like, oh, the, the Panthers traded for the first overall pick. And I'm like, oh, that makes sense. You would say that. So stopped our conversation for like four hours. We both just I like, actually away. love it when news breaks while I'm taping, right? Yes. Because then you get the real time mm-hmm. reactions. And, but not while we're having, supposed to have like just a, a human phone call. Yes. Um, that's, yeah. That's not as fun, but I do like the in the moment hearing. I I like it when I'm listening to people get news in real time. Mm-hmm, absolutely, and we hopefully will not get too much. There's some like weird stuff lurking. Like, did you see the Garoppolo uh, press conference got postponed? I did. I I mean, the speculation of that immediately goes to health, but <laughs> well, I, I mean, I that I can't think of any other reason why. I mean. They just he, showed, he didn't bring Kyle with him, and they were like, "Oh no!" He, Wait, he we his... thought this was a a twofer. Yes, he didn't uh, didn't bring his playbook with him or Debo. Yeah, or Debo. Um, that that is a little sus. That is that is nerve wracking for sure. Curious, very curious. We will see. Um, hopefully nothing, or maybe I don't know, hope one one fun thing will happen as we tape this podcast here on Thursday evening. But today, before we get to that, or if we don't get to that, we're going to hit some of our favorite free agent signings. We're going to hit some of the moves that I think now that the contracts have cleared up a bit, as we've seen the markets develop, uh, the ones that stand out as good values, exciting players, great fits, um, and we will talk about them. So Mina, please, floor is yours. Go ahead. Oh, do I get to choose my favorite fit? Yeah. My favorite? Why not? Wow. I don't know. I didn't know I had the first choice. This is this is very exciting. I'm going to choose one <laughs> that I know <laughs> you also love uh, okay. because we have talked about it, or at least we exchanged some tweets about it. And that is the Washington Commanders Ooh, bringing yes. in Jacoby Brissett at quarterback. Yes. Um, 
shoot, I had the deal in front of me. It's like up to eight million in one year or something like that, right? Yep, it's right on the eight million range. Yeah. It's very um, similar to Baker's deal, if I remember correctly. Yeah, it's suspiciously close to Baker's deal, frankly, for a quarterback who was ninth in QBR last year. Well, we'll get to that in a second, but have you, can I just take a big picture? Please. Does it feel like this year more deals are almost identical mm. at positions? Have you been, no? I, I don't know why. I feel like that's, I don't know. The other thing I'll say is, this is the treetops thing. A lot of reasonable contracts. I was thinking about that as I was looking at the signings ahead of this. Like there really haven't been that many huge overpays or shocking deals given out this this soft season. I'll tell you who doesn't like that. That is Bill Barnwell because some, <laughs> that, Pop, Papa's got to make money, but eating that low hanging fruit, and uh, if we don't have that, we're in trouble. Ah, the Bill right. Bardwell grade curve is all thrown <laughs> off this off season. It is. It's been pretty reasonable. A couple of weird ones. You know, that Josh Oliver deal. I, I took a couple looks at that and I was, mm. did I miss, is there a different Josh Oliver than the one I remember? But overall, it's been very reasonable. And and like the teams that have taken risks, like maybe the Juwan Taylor Chiefs deal, you're like, yes. oh, he's playing left tackle. Like I can see why they would do that, even though it's still maybe a little risky. Yeah, and then the players who got a ton of money are like really good, like Javon Hargrave, right? So right. it's just, yeah, it's there's no, there hasn't been that Christian Kirk moment. Although, you know, I thought Kirk played really well last year and mm-hmm. we could argue about that. But there, I, it's been a very interesting free agency and I'll just leave it at that. And actually, some of the deals that I like that we're talking about are ones where I was like, well, huh, three players got the exact same amount of money. And mm-hmm. uh, anyways, but let's talk about Brissett because, yes. um, yeah, so this was something I, I'll take you on my personal journey with him <laughs> last year. I I did not think he would be very good for Cleveland. I, I you know when they signed him as a kind of stopgap while Deshaun Watson was out on suspension, I thought the team would be bad. I thought the defense would be fine, but that the offense would drag it down. Mm-hmm. And I was the literal reverse happened. Um, the defense, the Cleveland Browns defense was terrible. And Jacoby Brissett, I thought, played some of the best football of his career. Mm-hmm. Uh, this is reflected in a number of metrics. You know, QBR, DVOA, I think he finished like seventh. CPOE, he was fourth. And, you know, he wasn't perfect. There were some ugly interceptions here and there. But by and large, and, and this is what I tweeted, I thought he played like an above average quarterback an above average starting quarterback so for washington a team that has told us they are committed to giving sam howell a chance mm-hmm. um for them to go out and get him at this price you know i i think that's great value for them and makes and i think potentially can make them pretty competitive yeah and i think to your point about how he played you know we have a pretty substantial amount of evidence compared to the other guy who played in this same offense with these same players last year, who was supposed to be a much more valuable player, and he stunk. Like Jacoby Brissett was significantly better than Deshaun Watson in this same offense with the same players. And I, I think it seems like nobody's really mentioning that. Like that that's sort of been it's been all about, oh, Watson was terrible, which he was, to be fair, as opposed to, oh, Watson being terrible with these guys might make Jacoby Brissett's performance look that much better. Um you know, I, I think he has some pretty defined weaknesses. I don't think he's a great, you know, improvisational quarterback. I don't think he's going to, you know, extend plays for 10 seconds and make plays very often, but he's smart. I think he puts the ball in good places. I think he puts the ball in safe places too. Like I think yeah. when he misses, usually 
he misses in places where the ball is going to fall incomplete. I mean, his interception rate since he got into the league, the only quarterbacks who have a better interception rate than Jacoby Brissett are Aaron Rodgers and Tom Brady. And, mm. you know, like you said, the interceptions last year when they did happen, they were in the fourth quarter typically. They were late. Wasn't always the best throw. Some of them were just like, we have no, it's like a third and 23 against the Falcons with like a minute left where he's like, okay, I have to throw the ball up. Kind of like some of those Philip Rivers interceptions where Philip would just be like, screw it. Like I'm, I'm throwing this ball into this window yeah. and hopefully it gets caught. But, um, you know, for, uh, for the commanders where their defense was legitimately good last year, sixth in the NFL in points per possession allowed, you know, very similar, I think, to the Jets where you sort of look at them and you're like, oh man, if they could just get a quarterback, they'd be really good. The commanders were eight, eight and one last year with Carson Wentz and Taylor Heineke at quarterback. If they had just gotten competent quarterback play, they would have been a playoff team last year, let alone with Brissett this year. Yeah, and it's a very fun, I would say, ascendant group of skill players. I, I really like this wide receiver group with McLaurin. Jahan Dotson was a guy I really liked out of college. There was some debate over whether you know he was drafted too high but i think he showed he really flashed last year some of the same pass catching abilities that he did at, mm-hmm. in college the incredible catch radius um you got Kurt samuel in the mix uh, we'll see if they add anyone else I, I do i do lori a little bit like so you know jacoby's coming from cleveland at times a thing that is he has struggled with is play under pressure and so he this washington team i think you know better group of skill players you bring in eric Bieniemy, which is exciting I do think like pass protection could be an issue with him, mm-hmm. but still, again, the value is tremendous. And like you said, the defense is really good. I, the, the, I just think Washington will be friskier than perhaps they're given credit for. And for me, it starts with like, I think getting one of the better values at quarterback that we've seen thus far. Do you think Washington gives him a fair shot to win the battle with Howell? Or do you think they want yeah. Howell to win? I think it's a good question. So we had Ron Rivera on the set of Men Live at the Combine, and it was kind of funny because the premise leading in was which quarterbacks or which teams, pardon me, picking in the teens or 20s should consider jumping up for the quarterback. And we mm-hmm. said Washington, and then he was like, uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, here I am. And But we asked him about Howell, and he was, you know, you can always tell if they actually like the quarterback. And it really did seem like he genuinely likes him. They liked what they saw in practice. They liked what they saw in that one start. They did feel that, you know, his final year at UNC when his circumstances dipped off so much, he was drafted way too low. But I do also think this could be like, if it is a real, and I do think it's, it could be a real quarterback competition because of, you know, where Howell was drafted. Um, there's a really good chance Jacoby just beats him out for it. Mm-hmm. I, I could absolutely see that happening. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. Anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Capital One. ESPN Tournament Challenge is here. And guess what? I'm doing my bracket right now. Making picks, predicting upsets, winning my bracket group, and leaving my old life as a part-time voice actor behind. Hey, you never know. And if I can do it while recording this awesome commercial, you can too. 
anyone can bracket. Download the ESPN Tournament Challenge app to play the number one bracket game. Presented by Allstate. Okay, I'll go to the other side of the ball. And this is really partly a pretense to get you to talk about something else. So I am going with Cam Sutton going to the Detroit Lions where it's really a two-year, $22.5 million deal um, for a cornerback who I thought has improved throughout his time in Pittsburgh. His role has expanded. He's been a starter the past couple of years. He was really good last season for the Steelers where for like half the year when they didn't have TJ Watt, they were not rushing the passer effectively at all. According to NextGen, I think he's number six in the NFL among cornerbacks in terms of uh, passer rating as the nearest defender Mm. in coverage. And this was a big hole for the Lions last year. They were last in the NFL in QBR allowed. And they want to play Jeff Okuda. They want Jeff Okuda to work out. I don't know if it's going to happen. I thought he was better last year, but he's going to be on one side. And they were rotating guys in and out on the other side. Didn't really have anything they felt confident about. So now you bring in Cam Sutton to lock down that one side. I think that's going to be a much firmer back end for the Lions to work off of as they probably use you know, their draft capital this year, I would imagine to add pieces around Aiden Hutchinson up front. Yeah, I like it for all the reasons you described, the value, the solid play I get out of him. Um, you know, the Lions defense kind of has evolved a little bit over the years, but I think you know, coming from Pittsburgh, um, experience in both, you know, they play a pretty healthy dose, dose pardon me, of both man and zone. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think he'll fit in. But I also feel like, you know, to go to the draft point, what I like about this, and I felt the same way kind of about Philadelphia bringing their corners back, is they don't have to reach for a cornerback yep. anymore. Like, I could see them trading down and grabbing, um, you know, like Witherspoon or Gonzalez or uh, Devin Witherspoon or Christian Gonzalez. Uh, it's not quite draft season yet. But um, I, I was like, ah, oh, it's six. I don't know. So there's just kind of less pressure to do that. I also think it's interesting because the Lions were reportedly in the mix for Jalen Ramsey, mm-hmm. Bill. And um, just again, like, I don't think Cam Sutton is Jalen Ramsey, but holy smokes, they are saving a lot of money with this yes. deal that they can then deploy elsewhere. So, yeah, I, you know, the Lions, just some you know quiet, smart moves here and there. I, I like mm. what they're doing. Well, that's what I wanted to ask you about, because in related Lions news, as you may have noticed, Jamal Williams is no longer Ugh. a member of the Detroit Lions. Can I get a vibe check? Is this the end of the Lions being football Twitter's team? No, I mean, look, Jamal Williams was the face of yes. Detroit. He was, you know, the I, the the most kind of like the avatar for everything we loved about the Lions last yes. year. But there's still a lot of things to like about them. I still really like, there's still a lot of fun players. I really like their coaching staff. I really like their approach to things generally, but that, that was a tough loss. But as you pointed out, what a way to go out with that speech, that final game. We'll never, we'll always, always have, don't let these tears fool you. (laughs) I'm just worried that there won't be enough dog in there. I mean, that's my concern. Uh, David Montgomery, you know, fine player, not Jamal Williams, not Jamal Williams at all. So, and the other part of it that frustrates me, I think is, you know, Jamal Williams and the saints is going to be so much fun. Yeah. Oh gosh. What a, what a culture setter to mm-hmm. bring in. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I, um, I don't mind that sign either. Didn't make this list for me, but I, maybe when I consider the culture factor, it should have made it. Um, okay. Give me another one. Okay. Um, 
I like Juju Smith-Schuster to the Patriots a lot. Hey. I don't know how you feel about that. We haven't talked about this one. Um, it, this is an interesting one, actually, because, uh, you know, I talked a little bit about deals coming in at the same price. And at first, it looked like him and Juju had identical. So it's three years, $33 million total. Uh, but he has less guaranteed money, I believe, than Juju Smith-Schuster. I didn't write yes. down the exact, but it was less. Um, and, and you know, for a player who I think is a better fit for the Patriots offense than Juju Smith-Schuster, I mean... I, I, I than Jacoby Myers. I'm confusing mm-hmm. them. Both players I like, by the way. I think they're both like really um, useful and efficient wide receivers. Mm-hmm. But you know, I think for New England, there was Jacoby was. I talked about this a little bit on my show. It, it was always kind of like an awkward fit in some ways because he was their number one, and he's clearly not a number one. Mm-hmm. But the Patriots want their slot guy to be to get those like tough yards over the mm-hmm. middle and yards after the catch. And Juju fits that bill better than Jacoby did. So for he me, does. this felt like a like a really good football fit. Um at, you know, again, like a, a reasonable value that shouldn't prohibit them for add from adding another wide receiver. Yeah. I thought it was really telling that a couple years ago when they needed receivers, they went out on day one and they're like, we are spending money. They went out and signed Nelson Aguilar mm. and they went and signed uh, Kendrick Bourne and Hunter Henry and Jonu Smith and like four defensive players. Like they went all in spending on day one and they misread the market and they could have got better players a couple days later at the same price as they paid for Aguilar. And we saw Babelichek wait. You know, he was not out in day one signing Juju. They waited a couple days to get that deal done. And I think I think I agree with you, but I have on my list one of my favorite moves was Jacoby Myers. It makes sense. It makes Las sense. Raiders because yeah. I think Jacoby Myers is a very underrated player. I really like the fact that the Patriots time after time whether it was the guys I mentioned, whether it was Devontae Parker, whether it was Tyquan Thornton, they tried to bring in players who were going to take snaps and opportunities away from Jacoby Myers. Jacoby Myers kept standing. He kept being that guy who was, you know, the, the, the person who was the difference maker in this offense most weeks. He has been very productive on a snap-by-snap basis. He's been playing in an offense that has been extremely run-heavy over his three seasons in a meaningful role because it was cam in 2020 and then mac jones in a very run heavy offense these past couple years so it's not like he's been in an offense where he's running a ton of routes i mean his per what actually found really interesting i'll I'll bring this up so uh, according to our wide receiver score metrics uh, from espn that run on 538 which measures uh, uses player tracking data to measure how good you are in space how good you are catching the ball and how good you are uh after the catch Myers not good after the catch, so absolutely in line with what you said about him versus Juju. But the guy he compares to by those metrics, shockingly close actually, is Keenan Allen, where mm. he, gets, he gets open really well, yeah. reliable pair of hands, and then he catches the ball and pretty much falls down, which is fine. You don't have to be a deep threat. But I, I, I sort of see him as maybe like a, you know, on the opposite end where Keenan Allen is in an offense where they throw the ball a ton, he gets a ton of volume. Myers gets that kind of volume on an, on an offense that doesn't throw the ball at all. So I think there might be an opportunity for him to maybe exceed expectations uh, on this next deal with the Raiders. And the price tag, $11 million a year, that's $5 million less than Christian Kirk is getting. I think he's a pretty similar caliber yeah, player. That's a good comp. Poor Jacoby Myers, by the way, catching strays today when the um, poor UVA kid 
tried to throw that (laughs) intercepted by a a Furman player and uh, then Furman went on to upset them. And uh, so people remarked upon the similarities in his ill-fated hook and ladder attempt. Um, Yeah. Well, I guess this kind of goes where I was saying, you know, I was like, oh, it was always like a little bit awkward because he's not supposed to be a number one. Well, now he gets to play with Devontae Adams. I love that. I Mm -hmm. love Devontae Adams as your number one and Jacoby Myers as a two is an awesome one-two punch to me. Yes. Like that's a great fit. Now, whether he's uh, duplicative with redundant, well, he's not the redundant one, I think, clearly in the eyes of the Raiders, but Mm -hmm. whatever. Hunter Renfro, I think, is another story. Like, you you can definitely see them both being on the field because Jacoby has inside-outside versatility, right? Mm -hmm. You could see him as the Z, but... When you look at all the contracts, I do wonder if the Raiders will at least field offers for Renfro, especially because there's so many needs elsewhere on that roster, particularly on defense. Oh, they need so many players on defense, for sure. <laughs> but, I, you know, I, they traded Waller. So I wonder if they're sort of indicating, hey, we maybe they're going to be an 11. We just want to be an 11 and chuck it up, man. That's that's all we want to do. And I think that's not the worst idea in the whole world. Um, it's different for Jimmy. I mean, Jimmy's coming from... I have Kyle Juszczyk and George Kittle uh, as opposed to not having a fullback and playing Moreau. They brought back Jakob Johnson. Oh, they got Jakob Johnson. Okay. Come on. They'll never. I take it back. Josh McDaniels will never not have a fullback. I take it back. Okay. So, you know, I I think it indicates they're going to play with 11 personnel. And I think, you know, Myers, he's a slot receiver, but he's not like, you know, he's not like an Amendola. He's not like a Wes Welker. He's 6'2", 200 pounds. He's like not a small person. So, I, I think he can play the Z. I, I think we'll see what happens. But certainly I feel like, you know, once they traded Waller, I think they made it out to be that they were going to play all three of those guys in the field at the same time. Is this a good place for me to talk about how I love the Waller side for New York? Yes, please. Okay. I love the Waller side for New York. <laughs> um, for a bunch of different reasons. Uh, so like, you know, all off season, whatever, you know, the, the, the Giants go out, they pay... Danny Dimes, $40 million mm. a year. Mm. And their reaction is, well, who is he? You know, they now they need to upgrade around him, right? Which is mm-hmm. right. Um, also, but I think I just saw they brought back Darius Slayton, which is they good. Did. Yes. Um, player I really like. But um, you know, the wide receiver market, as we've discussed, is not terrific. And this is not a terrific draft for wide receivers either. And I actually throw in the Giants out as maybe being like a potential DeAndre Hopkins trade. Mm-hmm. Um, target or acquire rather, but um, instead they went out and they traded for one of the better tight ends in the NFL when he's healthy. And, you know, I I really like it for a bunch of reasons. Um, So his contract is very affordable. I think it averages to about like 12 million a year Mm -hmm. or something, which would, you know, put him very low on the list of wide receivers Um, and they can get out of it after one year, which Part of the reason why they were able to do this trade is because Darren Waller has struggled with health issues over the last couple of years. They will. Mm-hmm. This is not giving up a third round pick for him with the upside and then being able to get out of it after one year, I feel like is a very low risk bet on a player who, when he's healthy, is one of the most dynamic tight ends in the NFL. And this is a team that we know wants to run the football they, I can imagine, you know, Brian Dable really wanting to be in 12 personnel with Daniel Bellinger on the field and get defenses in base and get Waller those mismatches that he's feasted on. And 
it just makes a lot of sense for me, given not just the value, but like what we know they want to do on offense with Daniel Jones. Do you have any thoughts on Josh McDaniels breaking up the <laughs> Darren Waller, Kelsey Plum marriage within like two weeks of them getting married? Uh, they don't seem happy about it. Well, no, I mean, they, actually, that's not true. It's not that they don't seem they, they don't seem happy with him. But, yes, because <laughs> he was not invited to the wedding. I don't. I don't think Josh McDaniels knew he was spoiled. <laughs> he was. That just seems too weird. Uh, but clearly the trade of the player had more to do with football i'll say that yes i i think that's certainly fair but i just think do you think josh mcdaniels even gave it a second thought <laughs> um i think that he does not really get the benefit of the doubt because of his history <laughs> that's fair uh, yeah i i think that's very fair um yeah i i mean you know, I, I'm excited about it. it it's going to be a weird receiving core. So far, it's it's Waller. Um, it's Paris Campbell, who just signed there. It's Slayton, who's a deep threat. Um, oh, they I, brought back Sterling Shepard. I saw that. They back Sterling Shepard. I don't know. Yeah. It's like a one-year deal. So I don't know if he's even going to make yeah. the team, unfortunately. Wondell yeah. um, Robinson's going to come back at some point, hopefully, from his injuries. Maybe he's there for the second half of the year. It's going to be a weird team. I don't, I don't know specifically how this offense is going to work but i mean they got it to work last year so yeah i mean i guess i'm kind of envisioning it as being very similar to last year just with a better tight end and ideally a healthy robinson but i think one question i would have and you mentioned the campbell signing uh this is kind of what triggered this in me you know daniel jones had the lowest average depth of target i believe of any quarterback last year maybe the second lowest uh, which is a big part of the reason why he was able to cut down on his interceptions um, the signing of a tight, you know, a tight end and Paris Campbell does not suggest they're really trying to push the ball. I mean, you can stretch the field vertically, but I do wonder if they're going to trust Daniel Jones to throw it downfield more this year. Um, and thus far, these signings does not suggest they're headed in that direction. If you're paying someone $40 million a year, I hope so. <laughs> it seems like it's like you should be in a position where you trust them, but I think that is a fair question to ask at this point of the offseason. They're very good. Um, there's like a, a bunch of speedy guys in this draft. Yes. I'll say that. So that would be, I think, a, something that they could target. That would make sense. Are you surprised that nobody beat that offer for Waller? Uh, a little bit. Yeah, I guess it because, it, well, it came out of left field. Mm -hmm. And sometimes when there are these trades where there's like clearly bad blood, I tr I kind of reserve judgment a, i'm like you're saying it's a spike trade that's what you're saying. <laughs> well so, sometimes one of those trades that where it feels like there's a lot at play i don't know i think about like the hopkins trade right where, mm -hmm. original you're kind of like oh, i wonder how many offers were actually entertained you know like you, you never really know but mm -hmm. yeah i mean i would i would give up more than that for darren waller you know obviously their cap and, and everything else happening with them is a mess right now but the Packers reportedly tried to trade for Darren Waller in the Devontae Adams trade mm. last year. And we're going to, I think it was going to be instead of a one and a two, it was going to be a one and Waller going back to the Packers for Adams. So Ooh. I was a little surprised they didn't go into those discussions and say, hey, Robert Tanya's a free agent, Mercedes Lewis is a free agent, and he may be uh, stuck on the train of people going to New York with Aaron Rodgers, possibly. You know, we could use uh, a receiving tight end there. So, I thought there'd be more interest, but 
maybe the cap didn't work out, uh, maybe his age, his injury history. I think we certainly saw a lot of teams and a lot of players who are very prominent with injury histories uh, who are maybe getting on the downside yeah. of their careers not have a very big market uh, over the past few days. Now I'm just thinking about all of the Aaron Rodgers uh, friends on a literal train to New York, just maybe like a road trip. You know, I feel like Randall Cobb's driving. I'm, I'm thinking Aaron Rodgers is driving and Randall Cobb is in a sidecar next day. <laughs> a little sidecar. Aww. Yes, a little sidecar. Randall Cobb is the one I would crop. Well, actually, they're all guys that I, I would trust Mercedes Lewis with my life. Mm hmm. Mm hmm. Mercedes is like actual bodyguard material yeah. to me. Uh, also, um, someone who's been in the NFL since I was like, I think either in college or like just out of college. So really appreciate that he's still sticking around. Yes. Thank you, Aaron Rodgers, for ensuring that there will always be a player that is older than me in the NFL mm -hmm. who's not a quarterback. Yes. Okay. I will throw one out here. Um, I like Byron Murphy Ooh. going to the Vikings. Two years, 17 and a half million. We know the Vikings need cornerbacks. If you saw what Daniel Jones did to them in the playoffs, you know cornerback was a problem. Patrick Peterson is a free agent. Uh, they have a couple young guys who are going to be part of the secondary this year. They drafted a year ago. Yeah. But I just, like, Murphy has been versatile. He's played in the slot mostly, but did play outside more last year. He was on a team in the Cardinals where they blitz a ton. I was just thinking that, yeah. So, like, and, like, they didn't have much around him at cornerback either, so it's kind of like the weight of the world was on his shoulders from week to week. Like, he did not get to hide at any point over the past couple of years. And he just turned 25. He's one of the youngest free agents in this year's draft class. So I think given their needs uh, at cornerback, given their need to improve the secondary to get younger on the defensive side of the ball, and I think given Murphy's upside, I really like this move for the Vikings. It's funny. I didn't really realize, put two and two together that they – took Patrick Peterson from Arizona. He mm. had kind of a career resurgence. I, I, kind of. He definitely had a career resurgence. Yeah, he was good. Uh, in Minnesota. And they're kind of hoping for the same with Murphy, who, you know, it, so I I really liked him at Washington. Mm. Go dogs. Um, And in Arizona, like, he's been a little bit up and down, honestly. Mm -hmm. Like, and I think some of that has to do with his usage, which there's been a lot of, you, you alluded to like, the versatility um, and I do wonder at some times if he like has suffered because of it. Um, yes. but I think for Minnesota, you know, it was just so necessary for them to add a veteran corner because I still think they're going to, they're probably going to draft a cornerback high. And you mentioned Booth Jr. Coming back, but with Peterson walking out the door and that kind of made sense for me when, um, Brian Flores got the job as defensive coordinator, mm -hmm. they had to bring in someone. So to bring in a corner who, Still very young, I think still has upside, has been kind of up and down over his career at such a low cost, I think is a totally reasonable and it just makes a lot of sense as a signing. Mm -hmm. Okay, give me another one. Okay. Um, I'll go with the corner back. Okay. Um, I think the Eagles bringing back James Bradbury. Oh. Yeah, okay. did you not like that? I So I'm a little confused because okay. I'm wondering based on the timing of all this, and I could just be speculating here, do you think they were going to bring him back when they thought Darius Slay was coming back? Because it kind of felt like Slay was coming back and then yeah. he wanted to trade and then Bradbury was a free agent and they signed Bradbury and then Slay was like, no, actually, I'm good. I want to come back now. <laughs> this is, It's hard to understand exactly how this all played out and yes. Darius Slay's tweets are not making it very clear. No. 
But um, I think, okay, I kind of think what happened was they assumed Slay would walk yes, because he would want more money. And then they were cool with Bradbury, who they you know didn't think they would have that issue with. And then Slay's market was less than he thought it would be. Yes. That's my, but we haven't seen Slay's contract yet, unless it came in. I, I haven't seen it. I don't think so. Um, and, and just so for context for people, Darius Slay's in the final year of his deal. So I think, yes. you know, there's a chance that, and he has a- Oh, sorry. So there might not be a new contract, I should say. Yeah. He has, he has a very large cap number for this year. Um, Sorry, no, he's very yes, a twenty-six million cap hit this year, which is going to be tough for the Eagles. Right. So he was a cut candidate, and then he said he's coming back. So the yes. assumption is that there's some sort of restructure that's been negotiated. Yes. Um, I don't know. I kind of think they always wanted to bring back Brett Wright, though, to kind of bring it back mm-hmm. to this. And and there was uncertainty over what happened with um Slay, but I think you know with, with all of their free agents on the defense, and I I felt like. And then the guys who have walked in the front seven, CG CG Gardner Johnson is still out there, by the way. Mm -hmm. Um, I felt like they were going to try to bring back at least one of their corners, and Slay felt like maybe a possibility, but a bigger question mark than Bradbury. Um, Bradbury's deal, so it's three years, 38 million, 20 guaranteed, is super reasonable. That's why I like it. Um, these cornerback deals are very reasonable, by the way. Mm-hmm. Like, it's, I don't, I, I haven't seen any like graphical representation of this, but it feels like the cornerback market has really crested, huh? Like, I mean, can you imagine if you told someone if I if I you got on TV last year and you said, yeah, I think Jalen Ramsey is going to get traded for a third round pick next year? Like, there would have been people storming the studio in Bristol. And that would have been 100% correct because Jalen Ramsey was traded for a third round pick and a backup tight end a year later. So, yeah, I mean, it's crazy. There's there's some other cornerback deals, some of which we might talk about that I think are really good value too. But, yeah. um, but, but just, uh, anyways, back to Bradbury, very good player, had an excellent season. This is reflected in a number of metrics. But part of the reason I would feel so good about it is he's been good for a while. <laughs> he yeah. was... You know what I mean? This is not like a one-year wonder. It's not a guy who was only good because he got to play opposite Darius Slay. He was fantastic in New York the year before when he had literally no one else around him, right? So I think it's, um, you know, he's, what, 30? Late 20s or something? 29, I think. 29, yeah. So again, at his age, a three-year deal with two years of guarantees is totally reasonable at a good price. And this is kind of similar to the Detroit thing. I like that it means the Eagles now have optionality where they're picking in the draft. There's not pressure to take any given cornerback. I think they still might take a cornerback. They might trade down for a cornerback. But um, this puts them in a position where they don't have to draft for need. You know how he's just like, I got to take two defensive linemen. I only have seven good linemen to work with in my rotation. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, that's going to happen. Are you a fan of how they've approached kind of picking and choosing who they can sign and not sign this offseason? Yeah, I am. I I wanted them to keep Hargrave. But then when I saw the Hargrave contract, I was like, uh, that would have been really tough to fit. I thought he was the best player of all of the free agents who are available. Mm-hmm. Um, and so like to let him walk, to bring back Cox on a one-year deal, who, you know, I mean, he's, I think because of the uniqueness and depth of their defensive line, guys are kind of worth 
they're they're more valuable in Philadelphia than mm-hmm. they are in other places, if that makes sense. Um, and then letting the linebackers walk. I mean, a lot of that is dependent on some of these young players, Jordan Davis and Kobe Dean stepping up next mm-hmm. year. Right. But that's, I'm guessing an internal evaluation that they feel comfortable with. So, yeah. yeah. I mean, certainly they had to make some choices. They couldn't keep everybody right. and you get, the linebackers were, were going to go like that was the, the first thing off the shelf that was going to be gone. I think everyone realized that, but you know, they were able to bring back Fletcher Cox. They were able to bring back Brandon Graham. Um, they got, got Jason Kelsey back, obviously. Uh, but bringing Bradbury back is helpful. It's it's interesting. Chauncey Gardner-Johnson is still on the market. I wonder if that means he's more likely to come back now um, if the market doesn't develop for him. But certainly, uh, still a lot of work to do. And then they have to re-sign Jalen Hurts, who's going to be making a ton of money. Um, Which looms over all of this, right? Yes, that's probably already course. baked into. Yeah, I mean, they just couldn't keep Hargrave knowing that that's coming down the pike. Well, my next pick is going to be Javon Hargrave going <laughs> to the 49ers. Yeah, Oof. even even at the price tag, I still like it because it's really a two year deal, about forty million bucks. So it, it aligns pretty well with you know when they're going to have to pay one of their quarterbacks, whether it's Trey Lance or Brock Purdy or Sam Darnold or whatever seventh round pick they take this year who goes 14 and 0 whoever's playing quarterback for the Niners <laughs> they they will get expensive right when it's time to move on from Javon Hargrave and i think as good as this line has been and it's been excellent of course the past few years Nick Bosa is playing phenomenal football when he's been healthy they have so many edge guys who come in and play a role we'll talk about some of them i'm sure maybe in the rest of the show and Eric Armstead's a really good player but outside of that one year where he had 10 sacks he has not been a guy who is going to be like a a dominant in, like interior disruptor. They have not had that player to me since DeForest Buckner left yeah. via trade, and they drafted Juwan Kinlaw with the pick they got for Buckner to try to be that guy. It, it's not really working. You know, he's fine, but he's not DeForest Buckner. So I think for them, this was like the hey, we can have we can still have Armstead, we can still have Kinlaw, we can still rotate. You know, the edge pieces around Bosa, but now we get that. You know that 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 interior disruptor that we have not had for a couple of years, and that is maybe, I, I think that's their all-in move. I think that's the last piece they feel like they need to be, you know, the best defense in football next year. From like a football perspective, just thinking about what it'll look like on the field, it's just so easy to imagine after watching him in Philadelphia, um, you know, rushing from that front to then joining this front with Nick Bosa. Um, where he'll, you know, similarly have some one-on-one opportunities, but, you know, I think, in, and we don't even have to talk about how good Javon Hargrave. We kind of like just skipped over the fact that like he was incredible last season. He's been incredible for a real long time. He right. finishes near the top of the NFL in every metric from rushing from the inside and and all of that. But I think like it's like kind of to your point, this is a kind of about self scouting from the, the you know the Niners like. They're a team that knows that Kyle Shanahan can make any quarterback competent. Yes. Um, and, you know, they're already stacked on that side of the ball. Although we're curious to see, they might have to let some people go. And then defensively, any edge rusher comes in and is instantly great opposite Nick Bosa. So they lost Amenahu, Charles Amenahu, uh, Samson Ebukam, who's actually worried, right? Like about, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, but they have not, to your point, been able to, um, 
get extremely high level consistent defensive tackle play mm-hmm. um after letting Buckner walk and and I like Armstead but who was you know some banged up at times last year and I think Hargrave being in the mix might unlock something from him but yeah I think basically it's like let's add to our strongest the strongest well, it's not, I guess linebacker is the strongest, but like, let's add to the strength in our front seven and just dominate fools. Now, I am curious to see, Bill, you know, at, they did lose some t- um, talent on the back end. Jimmy Ward, mm-hmm. Manuel Mosley, Mosley walked. So I'll be curious to see um, whether they do anything in their in their secondary. But yeah, this is just strength upon strength upon strength for San Francisco. Mm-hmm. Okay. Give me another one of your favorites. Um, well, this feels like the right time to talk about the guy that we were you and I were talking about before the show we were actually laughing about this because this is like literally every football writer in America's yes. uh, favorite signing uh, and that is David Long two years 11 million dollars with Miami um, so start by I guess just talking about him as a player in mm-hmm. Tennessee um, kind of like one of those players who like was sneaky under the radar for a while and kind of more people picked up on how good he was as he got more playing time just extremely good against the run, extremely rangy, covers a great deal of space, um, all of which is immensely useful for any defense, but for a Vic Fangio defense that really like needs that type of linebacker to man the middle of the field, felt like just a no-brainer signing. And then to get him at that price when some of the linebackers in free agency, like, you know, Edmonds or whatever have been going for so much more money mm-hmm. is astounding. Now we should note, this is largely because he's been injured. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure that's, um, you know, that last year he missed a few games at the end of the season. Um, and so I think that that probably affected his market, but if he's healthy, this is like crazy, crazy value. Yeah, I thought it was really interesting that on the way out, Mike Vrabel on his like press conference after the year was almost like mad at David Long for getting injured. Like he was like framed it as like, oh, like, you know, like we need to stop having hamstring pulls here. Like I thought he was going to stay. And then I read that press conference and I'm like, oh, no, he's not coming back here. Uh It felt weirdly like antagonistic towards towards Long. And I think. I wonder, you know, did he get the best reviews coming out of there? Like, did people call them hmm. and be like, hey, like, is this guy, you know, is he not putting the work in? Like, is there something behind the scenes that we don't see? Because, you know, to your point, anyone who watched tape last year, who watched them play, saw a great football player. Who it was good the year before, too. I think that he, well. that was when, the year before was when I, I barely remember him, his first year or two years, mm-hmm. I mean, two years in the right, because it was four years in Tennessee. Uh, and it was year three where I was like, holy crap. Right. Guy, David Long is all over the field. And then he has this huge, and then he's amazing before he gets hurt last year. Right. So I, I, I wonder, like, you know, if we all think it's smart, and not to say that we're geniuses because we get stuff wrong all the time, but if everyone who watches this stuff outside of the NFL thinks, hey, this guy's really good, and the NFL's like, eh, no, not really. We're good. <laughs> like, it does seem like that's kind of telling, like, there's something missing here. Mm. that that would lead the NFL to not really have with that sort of market. Yeah, I think usually when a contract is like this cheap, right? I mean, I'm trying to, I was just, I was pulling up some of the linebacker deals. I mentioned the Edmonds one being big and massive, but that one, we kind of knew he would probably set the top. I mean, I think of a guy like, 
I don't know. Would you say TJ Edwards is comparable? I I think Long is better than TJ Edwards, but the contracts feel similar. And yeah, Jermaine Pratt, Jermaine Pratt, the same same kind of Pratt. Kind of range yeah, and, yeah. I think or, or Bobby um, Karake. Yeah. Oh, Karike. Yeah, yeah. So he was four years, forty million. I mean, only half of that was guaranteed, but the point is, like, oh my god, like, you know, that's I, that's a lot I know. more money. I would rather have David Long at at the the larger price tag, but you know the Giants are geniuses. I'm just someone who doesn't think Daniel Jones is worth forty million dollars a year. So, I, I guess by that standard, if you're only paying for like a quarter of Daniel Jones, that's a great deal. Yeah, I, I we'll see. I you know again, if a deal seems this cheap, there is usually something. Usually, it's injuries more than anything. So. Maybe that maybe the injury was more serious than anyone knew. But again, if he's healthy in that defense, absolutely love it. And it was yeah, to just such an area of need. Do you think the Dolphins are just signing players based on like football Twitter being like, that seems like a good deal? I don't know, because I like everything they're doing. Right. Like trading a third round pick for Jalen Ramsey seems like a good idea. They brought both of their backs back, I thought, on super reasonable contracts. Mm -hmm. I like the Mike White signing. They signed Braxton Berrios, who I think is underrated. How much are they paying him? Not a lot. Fine. I don't have. I don't have exactly that much. Although I did point out, um, you saw that XFL play, like the the drag route that turned into a bomb. Yeah. It just made me think about Cedric Wilson throwing oh that God. pass for the Cowboys. I think he'd what, be the what, XFL MVP. Why is what what is Cedric Wilson? Whose Cheerios did he pee in? Am I? <laughs> what happened there? We do the Barrio signing has excellent potential for like a Barry Barrio Swaddle Hill big three Photoshop. So <laughs> Miami Dolphins fans get on that. I, as you know, we're on the we're, we're friends with all Dolphins fans these days. I'm I'm healing because I <laughs> I put out I was like I love. And I meant it. I was like, love the Jalen trade, love the long side. So let's heal Dolphins Twitter. Let's heal. Vikings Twitter and I are healing too. <laughs> it's, it's a new year. It's a new season. That's fair. Jets, um, Jets Twitter on the other hand. <laughs> well, to be fair, Jets fans are excited. I don't know why, but they're excited. We will see. Yeah. Um, I will throw another one out there. A dude who I love from 2021 who goes hurt for most of last year. I will say Deontay Hardy. Going to the Bills. Oh, nine that's and a, a half hipster pick. Dollars. It sure is. Like David Long is like the like fake hipster. Like at this point, every hipster like like the LCD sound system in two thousand seven <laughs> of picks. Deontay Hardy is like you're you're really you're really grinding hard. Deontay Hardy on, on, on like a, a snap by snap basis, the yards per route run numbers for him were incredible. Yeah, in twenty twenty one, and like they did not have great quarterback play. He was not on the field a ton, but when he got out on the field, man. He was a force. And on top of that, he is a great returner. The Bills need a great returner. They have really not been consistent on returns since they uh, let Andre Roberts leave a couple years ago. So they're bringing him as a return guy. I think if he offers, you know, 10, 15 snaps a game as a fourth, fifth receiver with a quarterback, we know can chuck it up (laughs) in Josh Allen. Mm. That could be a really valuable player. So I, I love that move. Good player should be noted. It used to be called Deontay Harris, which was very like I think part of the reason why he's flying so low under the radar. For people who remember remember him as Deontay Harris, he changed his name. The Saints are so good at finding these random yes receivers like Rashid Shahid, who's amazing for them. Mm, really good. Um, I like this for Buffalo. I have a question for you. Do you think they should be in the OBJ mix? Mm-hmm. 
Hmm. Am I thinking as an analyst or as a fan of the New York Giants? Because I think the Giants should be the team that signs Odell Beckham Jr. Ooh, for several ooh. reasons. Be that would be beautiful. But I want you to think beautiful. as an analyst. As an analyst, yes, I think so. Um, I don't think he's like the perfect fit for what they need. Like, I think they need someone who's a little more explosive. But if they need a guy who can take some of the pressure off digs on like the RPOs and the slants and that stuff, I think he's a good fit. I think if he's if he's the guy he was on the Rams, like he can still be somebody who wins one on one, and I think he's going to see a lot of one on ones. So I, I do think it would work. I. Yeah, you know what? I, I like it more than I, I thought at first thought. Like, I was thinking, like, who's going to be the speed guy? But Gabe Davis can Gabe, be yeah. the speed guy. Yeah. Yeah, Hardy can be the speed guy. So, yeah, I, I think Beckham would be at the right price tag, a good move for them. Yeah. Oh, I, I saw Senior Diggs. They restructured Diggs' contracts. They cleared some cap space. Maybe think they might be. I mean, it just feels like the Bills. The assumption is like, oh, they couldn't run the ball. They need to draft or sign a running back, and their running game needs to be better, and they need to be more multiple. But it's like, you know what? It's Josh Allen, y'all. Bombs away. Let's give him more weapons. I don't know. I have wavered a little bit on this, but I feel like they need to make some bold offensive move um, to try to optimize you know, this the Josh Allen's window right now, and that to me would – solve some of the issues that we saw last year in games where Davis was kind of disappearing. So do you think they feel a little burnt by the Von Miller thing where like they, you know, for so yeah. long they were like the, Oh, we're going to sign three guys who make $6 million a year. And then they went out and they signed the $20 million a year guy. And it, it you know, we'll see what happens, but he tore his ACL. It didn't work out for them last year. Yeah. I, I especially with OBJ's injury history, mm -hmm. there might be a little bit of trepidation there, especially if he wants like a big, That's big a deal. Yeah, I could see that. But yeah, I, I don't know. know. I don't know what his market's going to look like. Me neither. I'm hearing, I mean, a lot of teams have looked at him seriously, um, which suggests it'll probably end up being more than we think. But, um, and reportedly, the numbers floating around that he's asking for are like, I'm like, no way, you know, do you 20. Remember, do you remember how many, like every week last year, like it would be like, oh my God, Odell Beckham's going to get so much money because I know. Dallas. a whiteout would get hurt or somebody would be desperate. And it just felt like he became like the focal point of the NFL for a stretch when he was, wasn't even healthy enough to play. Yeah. It was like the bachelor or something, <laughs> but then turned out the bachelor wasn't actually available. Yeah. It, it, you know, he's always just going to occupy such an outsized sure. space in the NFL discourse because of his history. Okay. Man, okay. that'd be cool if he went back to New York. Wouldn't it be cool? It'd be so much. It'd be nice. cool to have a guy who can run after the catch at all. That'd be nice. Oh, Waller can run after the catch. We're fine there. Okay. Give me your last one. Oh, last one. All right. Mm, I'm trying to choose a good one. Mm. I have one as well if you want me to go first. You go first. Okay. I'm going to look dumb, but I'm going to throw this out there. One year, two and a half million. Oh, so, no. Clellan Farrell going to the Niners. Well, you just the whole discussion we had earlier where I talked about guys slotting in and being on. You just put in the part where I'm like, yeah. And then whoever's for Clellan Farrell is, mm -hmm. you know, in on a defensive line, Chris Kasarik is going to turn into mm -hmm. freaking superstar. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. Mm -hmm. One year, two and a half million for the former fourth overall pick who our third overall pick was he three or four in that draft. Four. He was four. I remember being like, what? <laughs> was that right before the Daniel Jones pick too? 
Uh, because he was six. Who was five? Yeah, the, the Mike uh, Mayock Devin White. Years. Devin White was five. Wow. Really, right. really a string <laughs> of a string of reactions for you in that draft. Positional value really <laughs> went out the window there. Um, yes, that it is. I, the Niners should just do this as a bit, just to <laughs> you know ridicule teams, bring in early round picks who didn't pan out and then they'll be awesome for them. Yes. Yeah. And this is one of those things where like the expectations are gone. He didn't work out in Vegas. He's going to be awesome. I, I, I think you could argue maybe the coaching, not always the best for the Raiders. We even saw Arden Key um, came over from the Raiders, went to the Niners, got with Kasurik, had a good year. Actually had, it was got another guy close to my list where he had a, he got a good deal with the Tennessee to be, you know, in their edge rush rotation this year. Um, but I think it's just low cost, high upside. And again, like you just know, like this coaching staff is going to knock these guys down. They're going to be in such yeah. good shape after uh, spending a year there in San Francisco. Harden Key and Demarcus Walker, both three years, 20 million, $21 million. Mm-hmm. Wait, let me make sure I have that right. Yeah, you're good. Key is three and twenty-one. I'm pretty sure Walker is as well. I mean, he is. Yeah, both signings I liked. By the way, yeah, me too. (laughs) Looks like Walker got a teeny bit more guaranteed. Um, Both good players with similar skill sets on teams that could use them. Interesting that I guess you know Walker, the Titans letting Walker walk and bringing in Keys. Mm-hmm. I guess, yeah, I could argue maybe Key is a little bit more upside, but I like both those players and I like both those signings that they're good values. Um, okay, I'll go with the bang. I I am not. This isn't like one that I love necessarily, but the Bengals bring in Orlando Brown. Mm. Okay, why? Sell me on it. I like it because I didn't want them to ride with Jonah Williams at left tackle. Mm. I have felt that he's been overrated. You know, you know what it's like? He's like the one, like like if you go to a party when you're in college and there's like one very attractive person and <laughs> one like one like moderately attractive person, you're like, oh my god, that's the most beautiful uh, person I've ever seen before. And then I mean, everyone else yeah. at the party's a, a a guy or a girl, they're fine. But like Jonah Williams just like being like the the one vaguely competent player on the 2021 Bengals line got that reputation. He was bad last year. He was not. NFL, yeah, you know, even an above average NFL left tackle. And I really thought they would stick with him, Bill. Mm-hmm. I don't know what how you felt, but I don't know, like just because of his draft status, the way they've talked about him, the fact that they've already made all these investments in the offensive line. Mm-hmm. I don't know. And I'm, I think Orlando Brown first. You know, I, I know that he's somewhat divisive amongst the offensive line community, I think, <laughs> and amongst Chiefs fans. But, you know, blocking for Patrick Mahomes not always the easiest because of the depth mm, of his he's getting, he's getting the I appeared on NFL Live yesterday. <laughs> uh, I wasn't there. Okay. Well, okay, here, no, here's what I like, though. It's it's cheap. I mean, cheap for the position, at least. Yep. Four years, $64 million, $43 million guaranteed. I thought he would make more money than that, honestly. So... I think to upgrade from Williams, which I like, to continue adding on the offensive line. I imagine Williams will switch to right tackle, which he played his freshman year in college. So, mm-hmm. um, to show that they're still really willing to commit to that, you know, to fixing it because they obviously continue to be a problem when depth was an issue last year and all the injuries hit at once. Uh, and I think it's a good fit. So it makes it. I, I was pleasantly surprised by this, mostly because I just didn't think it would happen. It it feels good, right? Like it feels like. <laughs> It feels like, okay, maybe it was a surprising move, but it does make sense. And 
you know, I, I, I don't know why we had that national conversation. Like it went from being like over the course of like a three day span, it went from T Higgins future part of the Bengals franchise to, Oh my God, the Bengals have to trade T Higgins. The first chance they get this off season. Like, I, I think they're going to pay T Higgins. I think they're going to pay Joe Burrow this off season. I think this is going to be a Bengals team. That's going to be on paper the second or third best offense in football, right? Yeah, it makes me much more confident in them next year. Mm-hmm. And yeah, I I like it. You know, the, especially Cincinnati, they've, they've lost guys on defense. They need young players to step up. I kind of just like doubling down on protecting Burrow in the offense. I don't know. It, it's actually, you know, it's got somewhere in the Chiefs, right? And it's mm-hmm. worked out for the Chiefs. And um, yeah. So and they're going to have to like get a first round pick to get him, unlike the Chiefs. Yeah, exactly. So. Yeah, it, it, I, I can understand why there's like a little bit like, well, the Chiefs didn't want him and they're signing a new another right tackle convert. And, mm, okay. But like, you know, we've watched Orlando Brown play. It's not like this is one of those there's something wrong with him situations. He Are can you, play left tackle. Yes, he can. Are you concerned about the Chiefs putting Juwan Taylor at left tackle? Yes. I mean, as, as someone as someone who has not played that position really since yeah. high school. Yeah, I don't. I don't even know. I mean, they're smarter than me, and they're obviously good at evaluating offensive linemen. So I guess I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt. But that, yeah, I'm concerned. I gotta see it. I mean, Andy Reid was a genius. I, I love Andy Reid. I think he's a genius. He was smart, and then one day he put Juan Castillo, his offensive line coach, at defensive coordinator. And then he was not smart anymore. And that was the beginning of the end. So, you know, it kind of feels like an Andy Reid heat check. You know, like he's got a second Super Bowl. His legacy set. Never has to answer a question about the playoffs again. And he's like, hmm, I'm going to move this guy who has not played right tackle or played the tackle since he was a teenager to protect the most important blindside in football. It's like when the Seahawks used to draft defensive tackles to play (laughs) offensive line. You remember that? Tom Cable. I forgot about that. The good old days. I'll never forget. forget. (laughs) Okay. Um, I think that's it, Mina. I don't think any, like, I, you don't have to plug anything. I think people know where you are, but please plug, plug whatever you'd like to plug. Yeah. Uh, Mina Kime show featuring Lenny catch it wherever you get your pods. Um, had Patrick Claiborne, who's amazing on this week, next week, uh, Phil Gates. Check it out. Oh, wow. You already have next week's guest figured out. Yeah. I don't, you know, I like to think ahead. That's that's a true professional. Uh, I I will not think of next week's guest until Sunday night at eleven fifty when I will panic <laughs> and start emailing people. Please, Scott. I'll be available. Yes. Okay. We might have you back next week. We will see. But <laughs> Mina, you know it's a blast. Thank you so much. Bye, bud. Of course. Thanks so much to Mina Kimes. You know Mina's the best. Check out Mina. Literally, turn on ESPN at any point during the day. Mina will probably be there uh, doing great work, of course. Hope you guys enjoyed the show. There's more on the way. So thanks so much for listening. And hope you guys enjoyed Mina Kai's Breaking Down Free Agency.